Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we're joined by Brad Rempel of High Valley. Now, his love of music began all the way back when he was four and five years old. That's when he wrote his first song. He started a little radio program in his parents' kitchen. He was the band, the DJ, the advertisers. He was everything. And from there, his love just grew and grew. He started High Valley when he was 12. They recorded in Nashville when he was 17, and it's all been on an upward trajectory since then. The band recently released new music, and we had a chance to talk about that, as well as the journey all the way along from when he was four years old and writing music. So please enjoy our conversation with Brad Rempel of High Valley. I know we have some new music to talk about, but on Country Music Made Me, we like to follow the journey to where that new music has come from. And so I want to start with an older song and I want to tell you a lyric. I want to see if you can pick the song it's from and tell us a bit about the song. So that lyric is, I've got ants in my pants for $20. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You've, <laughs> you've, uh, You've kept track very well. Um, <laughs> that is, um, in theory, I can't prove it, but I've been told that's the first song I ever wrote. I was incredibly young, and I, I would always stand on a footstool in front of my like couch in the basement. My sisters would sit on the couch. I'd stand on the footstool. Legend has it. And um, I wrote my own songs. One of them was called Ants in My Pants for $20. So... Um, <laughs> Very proud that I understood, you know, commerce was a part of music, even even that early on. That is amazing. And another uh, musical thing that you did when you were younger, I believe you were around five years old and you hosted your own radio show in your parents' kitchen and you were the band, you were the DJ, you were the advertiser. Now, I wanted to talk about where that came from, because growing up, you were in a secluded community. And so where did that sort of inspiration and that love for music come from that early? Yeah, my parents, I don't think they get enough credit, but um, they loved music so much that when they, you know, they were born in Mexico in a Mennonite colony, they moved to Canada, they moved to Northern Canada. And, um, when they got married, they drove all the way to Nashville to go to the Grand Ole Opry, Opryland, the whole nine yards on their honeymoon. So okay, they loved country music. They they taught it. We had records. I knew I knew the whole deal. And it's not like we'd never seen a TV. We just didn't have one, right? Yeah. So I I knew, and we didn't have radio, but we definitely heard it. So um, I, I knew what the whole deal was. Um, obviously, I I thought I knew what the whole deal was, how to be in a, a DJ, how to interview people. Uh, you got to be borderline schizophrenic to interview yourself for that many years. But um, <laughs> I, I did. Um, yeah, I was news, weather, sports, the whole thing. And I actually get to live that dream. Um, November 13th, I get to be an, a, a guest analyst on, on hockey night on Sportsnet. So I mean, oh, nice. that's going to be phenomenal for me. That's got to be a dream come true. No, absolutely. Uh, I, honestly, that, I'm, I'm so nervous about it because they, those guys do what I thought 
not like I thought it would ever happen, but that would have been my wildest dream, you know, as a kid, like someday I will be on hockey night in Canada and uh, it's going to be crazy to actually get to be a host on that. That is amazing. And as far as music goes, you started the actual band around 12 and that was with your brother, Brian. Now, when you started that, because the love your parents had for music at 12, did you understand what having a band meant and sort of the steps you would need to take to become a band? I think I'm still learning for (laughs) sure, but uh, I understood uh, pieces of it. I think I understood a lot more when I was 17, when, when I bought my first minivan and started driving, uh, we drove all the way to Nashville, um, you know, 45 hours, 2,500 miles one way. Um, we, we did a lot of crazy stuff as 17 year olds to kind of make it happen as a band. And, um, at the time it was me and a guy named Jason Peters and my brother, Brian were the band. And, um, yeah, I I think you just learn as you go. Uh, I've, I've struggled with that because young people now will ask me, you know, what, any advice on, on how to make it? And I'm like, man, 25 years ago when I started High Valley, if you had told me what it would take to do it, I would have just given up. So I don't really (laughs) want to give, I don't really want to tell them my experience because it's such a slow, slow journey, you know, and every year has been better than the last. So it's always been encouraging and it's always kept me motivated. And I've, you know, I guess I was, I was raised and taught to be very thankful for, for everything you got, regardless uh, of, of what somebody else has, but it's a long, it's a long road. So did I know what I was getting into at 12? Absolutely not. But, but I'm glad we stuck with it. And when you made that first journey down to Nashville at 17, was that to record your album reflect? Uh, yeah, it was actually, you know, the journey, the first journey to Nashville, my dad, uh, flew us down. That was 2000. And yeah, the album was called reflect. And um, my dad literally took a mortgage, like a line of credit against some farmland of ours and and used that to um, help us, uh, you know, get started, get a little leg up. And that's been in 2016, we got super busy five years ago, just crazy. 2017 was insane. 18 and 19 were pretty hardcore too. And I started drawing a a graph because I'm a nerdy analytical person like that. And when I was 12, my dad spent whatever he could on helping my dreams come true. So my son was seven, uh, five years ago, and we drew a chart of our shows and, and a downward slope with an upward slope of his age going up to 12. And Basically, our goal was to to cut down the amount of shows and quality over quantity and, and have time to focus on, on his dreams. And now that he's 12, this year has been amazing for, for me to still be excited to put out new music and to still hit the road. But anybody who knows me halfway good at all knows that a huge focus is, is my kids and their sports and their basketball and football and baseball and and their training and working out with them. and. Um, that's why the song never not is pretty amazing because um, there's a verse in it that says there's a crowded room, but I still feel all alone. And I just had to hear your voice on the phone calling because I need you to know that 
I'm never not thinking about you. And um, anybody who knows me knows it doesn't matter how cool the people are in the after party or the Schmooz Fest or the people you can rub shoulders with after. I'm probably at some point going to duck out and jump on the iPad and watch a, a basketball game via FaceTime or Facebook Live or, you know, that's just, that's kind of, I've been able to live my dream and I'm still going to show them that you never give up on it and you keep rocking and you keep working. And I don't believe in retirement at all. So I'm going to keep going forever, but I still want their dreams to be the focus right now. And um, it's been cool to kind of infuse some of those lyrics with, with these new songs. And talking about those lyrics, you mentioned uh, I saw in a press release that that lyric that you just said, that was sort of one of the most honest and straightforward lyrics you felt you'd ever written. And I wanted to ask you back in 2015, you signed your first publishing deal in Nashville. And I saw a quote from you that said sort of before that and the years leading up to that, you didn't feel like you were being authentic in the writing room. You felt like you were trying to sort of fake it till you make it almost yeah. and sort of make everyone think that you were different from the person you were. And so when you realize that, talk about that journey to realizing that and how freeing that was in the writer's room when that happened. Yeah. I mean, I know from going to H and M, I, I know the names of all the famous bands that are cool enough to be on the t-shirts, you know, like Led Zeppelin, Nirvana, Rolling Stones, all those shirts, you know, but I don't actually know those guys. I don't know their songs. I, I just didn't grow up with that stuff. So I felt like so many, and I understand it now because I've been here for forever, but at the beginning, so many references were thrown around that I just literally did not have the slightest clue what they were. And I just always pretended like I did because anytime I would admit that I didn't know it, people would look at me like I was joking or like I had two heads or like I had been living under a rock and it just got kind of frustrating and annoying. And so I kind of just pretended, I guess, that I knew what was going on and that I knew pop culture and that I knew the references. And I tried to write. It's hard to write and be honest with somebody when you're not even admitting that you have no clue what they're talking about when they're like, let's make the second verse kind of like a, nirvana meets blah 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 and i'm just like sure you know so anyway <laughs> right when i when i finally got back to my roots and just wrote the bluegrassy inspired stuff like the records the ricky skaggs records or the buck owens or even the everly brothers stuff that had more pop elements to it i realized that if i just pulled my own weight in what i knew the guys i'm writing with can use all their amazing cool hip modern stuff to to take what i'm doing and make it way cooler and way more um relevant and that's when it really started working and and even on whatever it takes i mean we were at the beach we were we were done riding at my buddy john knight's house me and ben stennis were riding with him and we wrote three songs we thought the trip was over we were very happy with it we went for dinner we come back to the house and um, I just started like sitting there looking at the water, sitting on a couch. They were packing up the studio. I wasn't trying to be a songwriter. I wasn't trying to create anything. And I just kind of went, hey, dun, 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 hey, hey. And we started thinking, wow, that feels good. And 
and they they got the speakers back out the little mobile studio and I mean, this has got to be the world record for fastest we've ever had a song out from <laughs> its inception because we just wrote the song a little bit ago. Right. And now we're releasing it. But that was like just me being real and not even trying to write a song. And then they could hear the whole let's make this like a European soccer stadium anthem chant, you know. And anytime <laughs> I take the old school and they take that and we kind of meet in the middle, I, I feel like that's that's the magic for for High Valley. and. And even in that song, I got to be honest and say, swing a hammer, climb a ladder, come on, darling, into a matter. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. And the last couple of years when, when the world kind of shut down, I wasn't about to call my dad in my hometown and say, well, I guess I'm just going to sit on my butt and wait till we can tour again. I, I was, just, my wife and I built um, this cottage we're in right now, a little kind of studio creative space because all the studios were legally shut down and we started writing songs out here and then we started flipping houses. So I've, I've literally been climbing ladders and swinging hammers and, and doing the real deal because that's what you got to do. Like literally whatever it takes, it, it came from a very real place. And so it feels like you have sort of two sides to your brain. You have the songwriter side and you have the business side do yeah. they ever shut off or is one of them always working at any one time? Yeah, I never, I would drive you nuts. I mean, <laughs> I would drive anybody nuts. Ask my wife. I, it never shuts off literally ever. Um, we, we flipped the house, sold it. Uh, I promised my wife that we were done. I'd go back to being a musician and not just being some general contractor and, uh, <laughs> My son had a basketball tournament in Atlanta and my other son, my younger son, Cash, had a, had a football game here in Nashville. So she stayed in Nashville. Drew and I go to Atlanta. And um, because I'm the only parent in the hotel room, I want to make sure he doesn't sleep in past his game time. So I wake up at 4 a.m. And I think it's been like two days since we sold the house. And um, so I wake up. I don't want to wake him up. So I go on Zillow and I find this really horrible looking house that looks like it has a lot of potential. And by the end of the day, we had bought another house to flip. So um, she really wishes I could turn off my brain. But for me, that's creativity. Um, the whole interior design and exterior remodel. And it just goes hand in hand with right. It's almost like writing a song. Honestly, you can just physically see it. That's awesome. And I was going to ask with that business side of things, when Curtis made the decision to leave the band, I heard you talk about the fact that he had invited you over for dinner and you sort of had the idea that it was probably going to happen at that point. But with your business brain, did you almost have that thought in the back of your mind for quite a while leading up to that, that eventually Curtis was going to go off and, and want to live his own life and you were sort of preparing for that? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy because Curtis and I both um knew this day was coming and quite honestly um not that we were keeping it a secret from all of you guys but we knew it for a very long time before we made the announcement because we had no shows right we didn't yeah. want to make a big deal about it and be like next time you see high valley there will be five guys instead of six and oh by the way we have no shows and that seemed like a dumb thing to say so we waited i mean i think it was close to a year um trying to remember how long but we waited a long time um, until we had a show and then we made the announcement, but yeah, um, we're very close with, uh, Curtis's wife's 
side of the family as well. And they were missionaries in South America. My wife and I were involved uh, with them and great friends with them. And so we got a newsletter from Miranda's family saying they were going to move back to our little hometown. Right. So when I got that letter, I told my wife, I said, I bet you money uh, any, any minute now. And it was two days later that we, we got the call from Curtis. So yeah, we knew what was going on, not for sure, but we pretty much did. Mm -hmm. And, um, Curtis would tell you that he was six years old when this band started. So he wasn't in it for the first nine or 10 years of high Valley, but he doesn't know life prior to the band existing. Cause you know, he was a kid when, when it started. So, this was always kind of my dream and my baby and my passion. And he was always awesome and went right there with me. And now this is such a cool opportunity with her family being back there. They can raise their really young family compared to ours. Their kids will honestly never really know much different than that lifestyle of having both grandparents just down the road, kind of that, almost like Norman Rockwell life where, you know, the small town life and I'm kind of the random kid out of six. That's always been the one who just ever since ants in my pants for $20, I've been (laughs) wanting to get down here. And so my kids don't know anything different than Tennessee. My, my son's turning 13 next month and he, you know, he's been here his whole life. And um, so for us, it's a little different. This is, this is home for us. And my wife and I are not from the same hometown. So we'll never move back to our hometown because right. we don't, we don't share one, but this is our, our hometown. I mean, this is, feels like we lived here forever. And, and for our kids, it, it truly is. That sounds like a song right there. That like last two sentences, <laughs> not from yeah. the same hometown, but this is our hometown. Yeah, yeah that's true, man. You, you might've just inspired me right there. There you go. And for you this year, coming into shows, this was the first time that you didn't have a brother on stage with you. Now, yeah. what has it been like? You have the same band with you, but what has it been like not having a brother on stage with you for the first time in like 20, 20 some odd years? Yeah, you know, I, I thought it might be more of the like my self and I and real, you know, like, but um, thankfully the uh, the other five guys, you know, um, or I should say four of the other five guys have been with me forever. So Clint and uh, Dave and Sam and Andrew and Raymond are, are out on the band with me. And, and four of those guys have been there. You know, if you've been seeing us live, you've been seeing these guys for the better part of a decade. So when I run around the stage and I jump up on the drum riser or go over to the bass or, or Raymond on the dobro or look over at a guitar solo with Clint, it's, it's all the same guys. So thankfully um, that's kept me like literally no disrespect to Curtis at all, but that has kept it feeling very similar for me. It'd be more in the interviews now where I would notice like it's usually me and Brian or me and Brian and Curtis or me and Curtis. And now, now it's just me. So that's where, um, but you know how it is. We've done a lot of everything. We've done a lot of one-on-one interviews. Um, so it all feels pretty natural at this point, but it's also been, you know, a long time that we've known about it. So it's not as fresh uh, in my brain as it is to, to a lot of other people. 
Right. Yeah. But he's doing great. We, we talk all the time and he's doing awesome. Uh, they just launched a store, him being the, the baby of the family, he's the hipster of the family. So any, <laughs> anything hipster you can think of from like, you know, handmade leather goods, furniture, candles, any, like he's got it going on and they've got a really cool business they just launched. And um, I, I think they're having a lot of fun and, and this is something that he could create from the ground up. It wasn't something I created and invited him to jump in a van with me. It's, <laughs> it's his own baby. And I think that's quite, a, he literally said this the other day and I think it's true. He said, I think we have more in common now that I'm running my own business than we ever have. Right. Because we can, we can talk about the similarities. So it's pretty cool. Awesome. And now two new songs that we have, whatever it takes and never not. Now, is there a plan for a collection of songs to be released this year or I guess next year now, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So these two will come out November 12th and then um, next year in the spring, we're going to release the full record. We're already about 80% done the record. Uh, we just had to pick which two would be the, the lead off. Right. Right. And I wanted, been writing so many songs um, more than ever. And it's been songwriting has just been an amazing uh journey for me and these last couple of years have been the hugest blessing and um thankfully so many people have been recording them and i, I love it but <laughs> when it came time to pick which ones high valley would record and which would be the first two we wanted to send them like our fans to hear we're not stuck in concrete we're not just like stagnant we're we're moving forward and i think never not does a good job of showing people kind of maybe a slightly more progressive sound than what they're used to hearing from us. And then we also wanted to remind them, Hey, we still love what we love, what we've always loved. We're still about faith, family, and country music. We're still about bluegrass foot stomp and barn burners that are, you know, borderline European soccer stadium chants. And uh, that's what, whatever it takes is. I think that's what make you mine was. And I think that's what, dear life was and single man and ibub and i feel like these two were just the ones that showed them where we're coming from and where we're going and uh, when you hear the full record you'll hear whatever it takes as the kind of epicenter the, the bullseye and you'll hear the more progressive stuff like never not and you'll hear the more americana you know bluegrass singer songwritery stuff on the other side, but, but whatever it takes should be, should be the middle of the road. Awesome. And there's one last thing you talked about building the sort of studio out on your property there in Nashville. Yeah. Now with this record, are you recording it out there a bit or have you jumped back into more of a traditional studio for this one? Things are opening up uh, quite a bit in Tennessee. So um, yeah, we have been able to get back in the studio, but we just recorded acoustic versions of, of two of, of whatever it takes and never not uh, right here at, at the cottage. Uh, we call it cottage at the Ridge. And um, so you'll be able to, hopefully in the new year, we'll release those acoustic versions at some point and, and the music videos and everything. And we shot the photo shoot uh, for whatever it takes. Uh, we shot that out here on the land. Um, we shot the music video for Grew Up on that out here. So, yeah, we've used the space a lot, and uh, we'll keep on doing it. It's, I'm sitting here right now, so it's uh, 
it's an inspiring place to hang out for sure. Yeah. I must remind you of home being out on the land rather than right in the busy city. Yeah, absolutely. I, yesterday I was in Nashville and I was out here and back and forth and um, they're both good. I love Nashville. I moved, I moved here because I love Nashville, but I also, once I, we lived in Nashville for the first three years and then um, really wanted to, I, I said, I want to be able to pee in my backyard without getting arrested. And I want to be able to ride dirt bikes. So uh, both of those things can happen out here. There you go. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on everything. Good luck with the new music. Good luck with flipping more houses. And we will look forward to these two singles and then the, uh, the full record in 2022. All right. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you once again for listening and thank you to Brad for stopping by and sharing his story. Be sure to check out High Valley's new music, whatever it takes and never not wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Music.